0: Well, hello everyone. This is J.B. Hickson with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message. And we're still on the road. It is Wednesday, October 11th, 2023. We are uh, somewhere in the midst of the Ozark Mountains on our way down to Texas uh, from Oklahoma. I know you wouldn't normally go through the Ozarks to get from Oklahoma City to the Dallas area, but we're killing time between conferences. And uh, so I'm sitting in my hotel room, and I've got Shane uh, standing by, our technologist and uh, friend and colleague, and I'll bring him on. In just a moment, we're going to talk about artificial intelligence, the Internet, and you. But before we get to his usual list of uh, AI updates and what's good, what's bad, what's ugly, uh, I want to get his take on what's going on in Israel. You know, I had uh, Randy on yesterday for our World Events Update, a day earlier than usual, and uh, some pretty heavy stuff for sure. And so I want to take a moment before we begin today's program to pray once again for Israel. You know, I'm reminded of King David's words in Psalm 122 when uh, he says down in verse 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you, Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, "Peace be within you." And certainly now, as much or more than ever, Israel needs the peace of God. They need it spiritually for those who have not yet embraced Jesus Christ as the Son of God and their Savior. Uh, but they need it both, uh, you know, in terms of just physically and. Geopolitically, and with the warfare going on over there, you know, you know, it's a pretty significant event in the life of Israel when key Jewish leaders, uh, such as their Ministry of Defense uh, leader—I forget what his title is—but they're invoking names like Joshua and you know the the World War II era and you know other key events in Israel's uh, history. So they, this is pretty significant, folks. I know we've been talking about it. Uh, a lot, and 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 so that's nothing that you don't already know. But we need to pray that whatever else is going on, that uh, you know God will use this to draw people to him. Now, I believe that it is, as I said yesterday, part of a much bigger plan that uh, many people, uh, myself included, have been talking about for fifteen to twenty years. And that is a plan to ultimately bring down America and usher in a new world order, a one world system, politically, geographically, and religiously and economically, I should say. And so my friend Shane, in addition to his expertise in technology, is also just pretty well studied in terms of uh, the coming one-world system, and often has some insights to to kind of connect the dots for us. So, Shane, before you get into some technology, by the way, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. Great but, to be here. Uh, but uh, I'd love to get your take on you know, it's my view, and 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 many others, uh, people that are a lot smarter than me, that uh, things are not really as they appear. That there's something really fishy about what went down with the uh, so-called surprise attack of Hamas and how devastating it was. And um, you've been studying this stuff for a long time. Uh, you usually have some pretty profound insights. And I'd just be curious, uh, do you think we're getting the whole story here?
1: Absolutely not. Um, I, uh, you know, first, like, uh, I was going to say everyone, but I, but that's not a true statement. Um, I was going to say, like everybody, I was shocked at, what occurred? You know those initial reports, the initial pictures and video, and so forth. Um, I was shocked, but like I said, the uh, unfortunately, we're seeing ro- uh, a wave of anti-Semitism sweep the world. It's stunning.
0: Yeah, Harvard right now is just basically needs to go on lockdown. There's so many protesters there out there, uh, you know, protesting Israel. But anyway,
1: yeah, 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 it's it's just it's it's unreal. The demonic activity is is through the roof. Um, but but and part of it was um you know just what what i know of israel from uh from a technology standpoint um this seems so improbable to me that they had a a intelligence failure of this scale um first off their human intelligence network is is one of the top few in the world you know they they have people everywhere um and then when it comes to electronics intelligence um their ability to listen in on things um i don't know if they're number one in the world but if they're not number one they're number two mm-hmm. um and, and and it's it's either us or them that's number one okay so so for them to have this fundamental failure of that level is is it's just unbelievable the failure of the iron dome a uh, missile system um I, I it's just i don't even have words but um, it's stunning. I, I can't help but think this is a setup, you know, a prelude to the Ezekiel 38 war. Um, we're seeing those, those players come. Now, it is not the Ezekiel 38 war, but, um, but I just don't know how, especially believers, those who cr- claim the name of Christ, um, who will look at what's happening in this situation, in the world as a whole, and in this situation in particular, and then compare that to Scripture how do you not see the prophetic echoes, yeah, that are occurring right now?
0: Yeah, no, it's on. It's definitely uh, uh, you know has prophetic implications. Uh, I mean, it's it's unfolding right before our very eyes, and the stage is being set. I'm telling you, we're closer than ever before. But really, I, I couldn't agree more. I, what strikes me is just how uh, you know already the official narrative is under attack, and frankly, it was from the earliest moments. I happen to be uh, surrounded by, you know, ec- worldwide, you know, world-class experts on Israel and people that have deep context within Israel, boots on the ground, people that were sending confidential texts as the attack was going on there with the big uh, a party just down there in Gaza. And so, uh, and I can't reveal their names because they asked me not to, but these were at the conference in in, uh, in Norman. These were, you know, top experts on Israel, some people that had just been there, some people that were planning to go next week, but that trip's been put on hold and uh, people that are, you know, uh, are there on the ground at this time. And so, you know, a- a- early on, they were like, something doesn't add up. This is, uh, the most surveilled area in the world, uh, and by the way, I know uh, yesterday Randy mentioned that some people are suggesting that the Iron Dome didn't fail, it was just overwhelmed. I don't buy that for a second. If all it took to uh, to bypass the Iron Dome uh, defense system was to just launch more rockets, and if you could launch enough, it would kind of break down under the pressure, I, I mean, I think that's not a very good defense system. I think it was clearly hacked, or it was a stand-down order, and they've been... Uh, Teaching stand down and false flag as key military uh, techniques in warfare for you know hundreds of years, and so to me this has all the earmarks of of a stand down order. But uh, you definitely agree that it there's there's more than meets the eye.
1: Oh, absolutely, and and I and I'm deeply concerned about the possibility of a stand down order. I think the hacking, while certainly not impossible, um, is, is is very 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 unlikely. Um, I I think either some kind of sabotage or stand stow- stand down order um is probably what was at play there. Um it's it's just like I said, I'm really at a loss for words. And and I and I do wanna say, you know, if if um listeners haven't done this, uh stop this podcast and go listen to Brandy's podcast uh from yesterday. Um that is um that's information you need.
0: Yeah. And you know, uh, we are recording this, uh, you know, ahead of time. Uh, so this is Wednesday, October eleventh, podcast. But things are happening so fast. By the time this actually airs, we may have to come back and amend it because there are definitely all kinds of rumblings of something happening in America. I think this is part of a larger, uh, you know, a larger uh, agenda. Now, what's interesting, and I've learned this over the years, uh, you know, and I know you have too, Shane, you've helped me a lot in this regard, is that in the moment, things seem like they're moving faster, <laughs> and so you tend to think, oh, you know, something's going to happen tomorrow, but in reality, the Luciferian agenda always tends to move a little bit slower, it's a little bit more deliberate, but I have no doubt that what we witnessed this weekend is the beginnings of the final phases of the Luciferian plan, I've been talking about that about 2025 and the 2020s, and how, of course, Agenda 2030 uh, with the Great Satanic Reset, and so this is this is it. I mean, they're they're making waves uh, for something significant that's going to become the new reality in 2024. I can't begin to tell you what that'll look like in its entirety, but this is definitely something that is way more than just radical islamic terrorists you know bringing one of the most well-defended if not the most well-defended country in the world to its knees using hang gliders and you know uh, spitballs basically so it just doesn't it just doesn't happen that way so uh, as randy said yesterday folks need to really be alert pay attention be prepared because i think the kinds of horrific atrocities we're seeing over there sadly are unless god intervenes are headed
1: this way yep i agree i um like i said i'm just in shock um i it, it is hard right now to separate truth from from falsehood and the stories coming out um i i think what what we all need to do is to pray for wisdom we yeah. need the lord's wisdom to guide us as we assess this barrage of information that's coming in yeah um, and 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 to be ready because I. Um, I, I think we are in the final minutes of the last hour, yeah. you know, I've had a number of friends at work and, and we've even discussed this where, you know, not that many years ago, if we were to talk about prophecy, both of us would say, well, you know, it looks like it's getting close, but it could also be a thousand years, yeah. right? We don't know. Um, and, um, for a long time, I really did believe the, it could be a thousand years part. Yeah. Um, While you will still, if if we were in a classroom setting, I would still say something along those lines, because we don't know for sure. But I don't believe it. You know, I I believe we are. We are there.
0: Yeah, there there are too many things that are just blatant lies for those who are not asleep. And sadly, most people are asleep. So they're not getting it. They're just being they're duped. Um, But, uh, you know, for those that are even halfway awake there are too many lies and I know that's one of the things you're going to talk about on today's program with the, the growing problem distinguishing between r- truth and reality but let's take a moment to pray for our friends in Israel before we uh, move on and uh, just lift them up Lord we do lift up uh, uh those folks over in Israel Believers unbelievers all of them need your grace at this time I pray that in this uh, horrific A time that rather than being terrified, folks would just run to you for solace to be uh, just their refuge in this time. And I pray if they don't know you, that uh, the Spirit of God would use this terrible time to really draw them to you and recognize their need for a Savior and place their faith in your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. For believers over there, we pray that this would strengthen their faith. Lord, I pray that it would be a lesson for all of us to know that, um, you know, we're not entitled to live a life free of persecution and trouble and difficulty. Indeed, uh, your word tells us just the opposite, that the closer we get to the coming kingdom, the more the battle between good and evil is going to intensify and the more persecution we will see. And so, Lord, I just pray that you'd just pour out your grace on the folks over there, put a stop to it, bring down the enemy uh, and strengthen uh, our faith here as we uh, prepare for what may come. Our way, Lord, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so, well, thank yeah, thanks for sharing that. I, I think uh, it just kind of once again affirms what I'm what I'm thinking that there's more to uh, the story. There are higher players, uh, you know, higher powers in play. And I think we are only just beginning to see how this thing is going to play out from a global Luciferian agenda perspective. Um, So let's talk about, we're talking about artificial intelligence, the internet, and you. Before we get into your list, let's just reiterate the obvious, that you've talked for for many months now about pervasive AI. I know you're going to give us some examples of that again today. But uh, am I right that probably the most obvious place where AI is prevalent and where we all interact with it every day, whether we realize it or not, is on the internet?
1: I would say possibly that, or possibly your smartphone. Yeah, yeah, you're right, the smartphones. Are so, cool. you know, I, I carry AI in my pocket throughout the day, yeah. right, like most people do. Yeah. So yeah, they, they, we, um, uh, we, we are already seeing a very significant AI presence, both just in general internet services, as a matter of fact, um, one of the stories today we'll, we'll talk about that. There's a lot of articles where you see this the, the beginning stages of this movement of pervasive AI, AI that's embedded in everything. It's everywhere. Um, so yeah, we're, we're going to see some examples of that. But your the internet, absolutely, and you know your phone. As a matter of fact, the uh, you know the latest uh, releases from all the major phone uh, companies um, are very much AI enabled hardware because We're, what they're planning service-wise is going to be, um, i use the word incredible. There'll be some we, great things. Will we get to the point, I'm
0: sorry. W- w- will we get to the point where we, we really have no choice but to just get rid of our phones if the Lord doesn't come back soon?
1: It's a good question. Too early. Um, I, I, think, I think there's going to be some things we can, you know, we'll just have to be aware of it. Right. So just like in, in, amongst other humans, there's, there's certain things you don't discuss in certain context. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think it's going to be the same way with the technology. Yeah. Um, there's going to be, you know, we might want to have conversations to where we make everybody leave their phone in another room. And oh, um, no, no doubt. Yeah. Exactly. So, so yeah, that, that that's it's already here
0: someone gave me at this conference uh, a man uh, you know he has a business that makes these but he gave me a really nice uh uh Faraday box and he says he keeps one on his desk and anytime he has private conversations that he doesn't want them listening in on he puts his phone in there and, and I've already done in fact you know for years I've had I've probably have had at least 10 or 15 different occasions where someone I've been talking to as a source or as a just a doing research, has said, hey, let's let's leave our phones in the car and let's go out here to this field or to this, you know, under this tree or, you know, several yards away from where our phones are and let's talk under our breath. Uh, because people have known for the longest time that everything we say is being uh, being tracked. And so when I say, the day will come, quote unquote, when we have to get rid of our phones. I'm well aware that really that day is already here. As long as you, unless you have an eyes wide open attitude, which is, look, I get that we're being tracked. What we're saying right now is being recorded. It's being deposited and securely into our bit bucket so that the Luciferians can use it against us whenever they want. But nevertheless, we feel like it's to our advantage to continue to use technology to get the gospel out to wake people up. But I just feel like at some point uh the day is going to come where we we really have no choice but to abandon it but uh with that let's move let's move into your your list of items there and you know you always start with sort of the uh the green then you go to the yellow and then you go to the let's dig a hole climb in and it never
1: come out uh, category so go go for it yeah so now now we're in our um what i think are are probably pretty clearly good uses of ai because because again the thing we want to communicate to everybody it's not that ai is in and of itself evil it's neutral it's like a hammer um ai is not alive it is a tool it is a machine um and uh so it's it's how it's going to be used but here's some some good uses of ai um this first one's kind of a funny strange thing uh uh Wisdom probably dictates me not talk about this one, but hey, it's me. So <laughs> we'll uh, we'll go into it anyhow. So there are these um formations, I'm gonna call them around the world, typically of vegetation, that are known as fairy circles or circular um patterns that somehow get formed in uh typically it's 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 gonna be uh, plant life of some nature. Um and they're found all over the world. Well, some researchers took uh, that kind of satellite imagery of some vast areas. Uh, one of them was the Australian outback and the other one was the uh, uh, Namib desert. And they took this again, incredible volumes of data and were able to identify um, these, these uh, fairy circles as they're called in these different areas, sorting through unbelievable quantities of data. So, um, so I'm not particularly interested in these uh, so-called fairy circles, although there's some interesting uh, other conversations we could have about those. Um, but the uh, the key thing here is this is an evidence in the past where I've said that AI, when it comes to looking at photographs, looking at say radiological uh, studies and so forth, have for a you know decade or more outperformed humans. Yeah. Same thing here. The ability of AI to see, as it were, um, and, and find those patterns is, is is great on the medical side. Um, now, you know, you could also argue that this one should be in the yellow category because it's very easy to see how the abuse of this could, you know, when looking at images and so forth, could, uh, could really limit people's privacy. Yeah. Um, and we already see examples of this like in China.
0: Yeah, no question. I mean, they'll use it to surveil for sure. When the time comes, if they ever do want to hunt down and, and get the off the grid people, I mean, they, I conceivably they could use it. But, uh, yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to, uh, do a show sometime on, uh, cryptids. You know, in chapter 10 of my book, Spirit of the Antichrist, volume two, the one right before this latest book, Spirit of the False Prophet, I talk about all kinds of Phenomena and and I mentioned fairies by name, but all of that, of course, is demonic. But there are some tangible, un you know irrefutable manifestations of this otherworldliness uh, in the realm in the physical realm of time, space, and matter. We could talk about crop circles, these fairy circles. We could talk about all kinds of other uh, cryptids and, of course, UFOs. I have a whole chapter on that. That's chapter nine. Uh, so w- that's very fascinating to me that AI is now. Actually, exposing, or let's say, more helping us more easily find and identify manifestations of demonic activity. That that's that's kind of interesting.
1: It, it is. Um, so yeah, let, let's talk about that in, in some future show because there's, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to focus on the AI here, but man, there's some interesting things there, especially given the location. Yeah, you know, these desolate places, and we look at the scriptures. What kind of spirits inhabit desolate places? Oh, yeah. Um, so it's not it's not the Holy Spirit stomping ground. We'll, we'll put no. it that way. No, it is not. So, so speaking of other strange creatures, um, I don't know if you saw this headline, but Coca-Cola uh, used AI to generate not only the can for a new cola, but also the flavor, you know, the recipe for it. And so they released this limited edition drink named Y3000, um, and by why I mean the letter Y, um, because it has a futuristic flavor. And this was released September twelfth, and um, you know I've not seen it in the stores, uh, but but apparently taste testers have said this is kind of a strange tasting drink. So I don't <laughs> think it's going to be a big hit for them. But you know this is more of a marketing gimmick than gimmick than yeah. anything.
0: N- Coca Cola is notorious for releasing. Uh, new flavors that are not widely <laughs> received. Yeah. But I think yep. they called it Y three thousand because I can give you three thousand reasons why you should never drink something created by AI. That's a bad <laughs> idea. <laughs>
1: yeah, um, I, I I don't plan to sample it. So um, <laughs> um, by the
0: way, that reminds me, um, I, I talked this weekend in uh, at the Prophecy Watchers Conference in my presentation on AI. I gave, I showed a video clip of a church down in your neck of the woods, down there in Austin, Texas, that actually used AI to create and lead a church worship service. So they're, they're making Coca-Cola flavors, and they're leading church services. Is there any place AI's tentacles are not going to reach?
1: I haven't found it yet. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's got to be some place. I just don't know of it. Wow, yep. So um, if, if, if you get better guests to talk about AI, you might find that out, but uh, Gene, I don't There
0: know. are no better guests than
1: uh, you. There, there most certainly are, but, <laughs> but we'll move on to our, our next item here. And this is a genuinely good use of AI, okay? Um, so scientists have achieved um, a 70% accuracy in using AI to predict earthquakes, hmm. Um, and so at the University of Texas, and, and for the readers who aren't familiar with it, it's a little bitty Bible college here in Texas. Um, so pe- researchers at UT um, have uh, Wait, did you, just, did you Was that a joke? Yes, yes, it's a joke.
0: It was so subtle. It went over like a flock of lead geese. <laughs> but, uh, but no, yeah, the University of Texas. Yeah, a little bitty yeah. Bible
1: college, I guess yeah. not. Yeah, not exactly a Bible college, but uh, so they had a seven-month uh, uh, study in China um, where they um, uh, had an AI, they trained it to recognize uh, certain patterns in real-time seismic data, and were able to build models that associated these patterns with earthquakes, and, uh, and, and while it certainly wasn't perfect, um, you know, there were, uh, it did miss one earthquake, and then it had if I remember correctly, eight false uh, positives that earthquakes were coming, but overall it still achieved a seventy percent um, accuracy. And this is just a proof of study, you know, proof of concept kind of study here. So we will see uh, AI and with uh, access to more data, uh, which is you know, like I said at the beginning, two things you need are compute power or I maybe it's when you and I are talking compute power and data. Um, they're going to, they're going to have this. We're going to see much better uh, earthquake prediction, weather prediction, things like this because of AI. Hmm. So good, good use of that. Awesome. Uh, next one. I'm putting this in the green. Um, so OpenAI, who's the parent company behind chat GPT that uh, really got all of us so uh, excited about AI uh, last year, um, is, is realizing that the third party hardware, the, the, especially the chips that power their system, aren't quite doing what they needed to do. So they are in the talks of, of designing their own chips, probably acquiring a, a chip fabrication company, and will then be able to tune um, OpenAI to these chips that they'll have input on how they operate. Hmm. So what we can expect from this is for, in this case, OpenAI's products at some point in the future, to be even more powerful. Nothing really new here. I would argue that uh, in some ways, OpenAI is trying to catch up to companies like Google who have been designing their own hardware Hmm. um, and can can have hardware that is optimized for the kind of functions that AI needs to support. So so we'll see more powerful uh, OpenAI products here in the near future. Next one, another good thing. We've had some some similar stories to this in the past. Uh, a new company, um, well, I, I, actually, this is a, a research project, sorry. Um, uh, University of Tokyo has an automated system using AI-powered drones to inspect vegetable crops um, and to figure out what is needed to maximize the yield. Hmm. So again, to me, this is one of those no-brainers for AI anything we can do to make food production uh, more efficient um, is a blessing to mankind.
0: Yeah, I mean, Um, it's no different than, you know, the Industrial Revolution when we started having, you know, different combines and harvesters and cultivators and stuff rather than doing it by hand behind a donkey. You know, it's just more efficient. And so, as you've said many times, there are ways in which, you know, using AI can, can be
1: a good thing. Absolutely. And this is going to be one of them. So we'll, we'll see some good things out of that. So now we move on to yellow. Um, so these are those ones that, you know, can't quite put them into either the green or the red category is really what happens here. And so in um, uh, the Tuesday podcast, uh, Randy had mentioned Bumble, which is this dating app that's going to employ AI. Uh, well, i got a, another company here. That's uh, a dating app called Scimatch. SCI than the word match. Um, and it uses artificial intelligence to help you find your, your person, right? Your soulmate there. What's interesting here is apparently it looks at your face and, um, and is able to use that. And I'm sure with some other, um, some, some data that you uh, give it, is able to come up with a better match for you. Um, and so at first... You know, glance. It seems a little bit maybe silly, but what really got it into the yellow category for me is two things. Uh, one is, um, and, and we've talked about them in the past. One of my my bigger interests isn't so much the AI itself, but it's how people respond to AI. Um, and so, the fact that something as important as your spouse, you would trust an AI matchmaker, doesn't sit well with me personally. Other people. Can have, absolutely have different ideas about that. but that's a little concerning. And then the other thing that the, the the darker one maybe is this seems like I'm a little little, you know f- afraid to say this, but um, you know, this is the type of thing where you could see it being exploited to categorize people mm-hmm. just based upon physical characteristics, appearance into desirable and undesirable, to, to look at that pattern that's been used throughout history.
0: Yeah, um, the feeble-minded or the elite, yeah. the adepts, and that, that's exactly what the Satan's earthly accomplices have been doing for centuries. That's what the whole eugenics movement was yeah. all about, that someone walks with a limp or someone who's, you know, got one eyebrow longer than the other. Well, you're not worthy to, to reproduce, so we're going to wipe you from the face of the earth.
1: Yeah, and and, and like I said, I, I want to be so clear. I am not Employing in any way, shape, or form that, SciMatch or Bumble or any of these other dating app companies um, have that as part of their plans. Um, I think they're just they're trying to make money, right? Okay? Um, but um, but it's very easy to see how this could that technology that approach could be leveraged into you know even even things like uh, just manipulating um, if you can manipulate who people choose to date and marry. Um, and you know other things about them. You, know, you have some sort of psychometric profile of them, that bit bucket that you're talking about. Um, what if you wanted to match up certain people so that you could neutralize through that relationship certain opinions that you didn't want held by these folks you're trying to control? So, so the, the, the ability to use this, um, and, and other technologies to manipulate us is, is really concerning.
0: Mm.
1: Um, and like I said, just for me, I wouldn't trust it, but that's me. Um, this next one is a, a research project called Autogen, is released by Microsoft. And um, this is gonna sound a little bit different, but th- this is an important one to pay attention to. Um, we've talked about pervasive AI and, and the coming job loss. Um, well, that job loss is the end stage, but there's gonna be this, I'm gonna call it a golden era, since that's a, a phrase we use often, a golden era of AI. Where um, And then I'm calling the leverage phase, which is where um, AI uh, will help us just be more efficient. Um, We'll be able to leverage it to make our work lives and and our our whole lives a little bit easier. So Autogen isn't an AI directly, but it is a framework or it's a system um, to use large language model AI systems uh, so that you can uh, better... Uh, use them to to take over certain workflows. Um, so what's going to happen here is, um, um, if in fact we're going to ultimately replace workers with AI, uh, what has to first happen is within companies, jobs will be broken down into tasks, and that's nothing new. You know, you, we, we we've all seen that in the workplace in the past. Um, but so what's going to happen is organizations will do this in scale and we'll look at the kinds of tasks their employees perform and then figure out what parts they give an employee's jobs can be leveraged pretty directly to AI. And and so that's going to be the, the, the piece where the we're in the golden age, right? Um, my job's better. I don't have as much drudgery in doing certain things. So those will be the first tasks that we're going to farm out to AI in the corporate world. And nobody's going to really complain by and large. Um, But then as the technology continues to mature, you know, we think of the earlier study um, where OpenAI is gonna develop its own hardware so they can have a a better AI product. Other companies are doing the same thing. As the technology improves both hardware and software um, and more and more data is available to train these these systems, that's where uh, that next step will be the task we couldn't originally give to the AI, will then be taken over by the AI and we'll see that significant job loss. But what this tool is, is a framework to manage that. So it's part of uh, this becoming a reality. If it was just these standalone AI systems, honestly, uh, I wouldn't see a significant impact into the job market. Um, but this is AI moving from that that wondrous invention uh, that we've all been fascinated with to here's how we're going to employ this in the in the corporate world yeah, so it's like
0: AI is taking over project management or different rollouts yes. of new tech technology remember the big all the big consulting firms you know big companies would spend millions of dollars to bring in a whole team of project managers to come in and help a, a company uh, uh, adjust to a new system of some kind well now the AI can do that and of course it's a whole lot cheaper.
1: Absolutely. As a matter of fact, speaking of project managers, um, I've been um, advising my uh, children and uh, even my wife, um, who's, who's in the corporate world, to not go towards project management, because that will absolutely be one of the first white-collar jobs that gets outsourced in its entirety. Yeah. Um, that kind of project management functionality will be built into these larger systems that your larger companies will will use. Mm-hmm. All right. Next story. Um, So we talk about machines and something we don't normally associate with computers, machines, technology is human empathy. Um, And so researchers um, have uh, developed a series of uh, AI models, and this is all in its early stages. But these AI models are uh, smart enough, if I can use that, that phrase, to express empathy when dealing with people. So what we're going to have is a very different situation than when you call a company for customer service and you get the automated system and maybe it has some voice recognition and you can tell it what you're after, um, but those systems are very cold and they certainly can't tell if you're upset. Um, well, we will see AI systems that have empathy um, or, or a, you know, an artificial form of empathy. It's probably a better way to put it, and um, and this will ultimately result in people being more accepting of AI. Um, it'll improve that that experience, you know, when you're trying to deal with that customer service issue. But ultimately, as AI becomes more empathetic, it will lead towards us believing it's alive, it's a person. Um, and then, of course, uh, that's, that's where really bad things will happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, and we're already seeing that, not so much on being able to express empathy, but just as an illustration of how God made us as emotive beings, and we have that sort of that extra dimension of the emotion, you know, people are are falling in love with AIs on, on these dating apps and stuff. I talk about that in the new book about how thousands of, of men have, you know, have just fallen for various AI personalities who they know, they know they're not real. They're just AI embodiments. And yet, they they have an emotional connection with them somehow and how much easier is that going to be able to be when the ai can respond in kind recognizing
1: your emotions yep and then and then you know we've done past shows about embodied ai Mm -hmm. so so what happens when there is that embodied ai um that can be your quote girlfriend end quote Mm -hmm. um that's that's that part that has me the most concerned is it's it's less about the technology and more about how we perceive the technology.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. So now I'm talking about in, in, uh, embodied AI. Um, DeepMind, which is one of the um, uh, AI research branches in uh, Google, probably their biggest one. Um, they have released a, I'm going to call it an operating system, Um, but it's, you know, probably a project's a better way to put it, called OpenX Embodiment. And it is a a system that will be used to uh, give uh, robots an embodied AI. Now, probably folks are first saying, well, okay, we've heard about that. You know, we've seen the Boston Dynamics stuff and other companies. Um, There's already this embodied AI. Here's what's different about this is this is a system that has been designed to work on multiple types of robots. So when you look at something, for, say, like the, that Boston Dynamics video that you, you know, YouTube clip you watch, um, everything that's controlling that is, is uh, specially designed only for that piece of hardware. And that's out a necessity because nothing like that, nothing like this has existed before. Um, but what this is is a, a a new model that can work in different types of of uh, robots, and, and what's interesting is you know earlier I talked about how AI was going to come into the workplace, and you know we're going to see companies making employees say here's what I do, and 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 being able to break apart what an employee does into these discrete tasks, mm-hmm. and then trying to give those to AI systems. Um, similar here. Um, what this what this approach does is it finds that those common tasks, those common ways of interacting with the hardware that makes the robot do whatever it is it's supposed to do, and instead of that specialized OS, you know, specialized um, system to control it, this will work on multiple types of hardware. Um, so it should a lower costs because it's not all custom development, um, and b makes me wonder about the ability to have a more sophisticated AI above this system as controlling masses of robots could be good applications in a factory maybe or something like that, but there could also be, you know, the terminator. So just, it really depends on where this goes. Yeah. All right. So now we're getting into the red. Um, not a, not a new one here, um, but it just I'm bringing this up um, so that we don't grow lax in this area. Uh, so in this case, the Better Business Bureau—I forget which which one was uh, uh, saying they're seeing an increase in reports of AI scams where the voice of a loved one um, is imitated and they make it sound like you know um, they're about to be attacked. Uh, by the way, it would not surprise me if in the coming weeks we see stories uh, where these AI scammers are calling up loved ones saying, you know, mom, I've been captured by uh, these Hamas terrorists and unless you, you know, do whatever, um, we'll we'll see this kind of thing continuing and it's gonna become darker and darker. So one thing that everybody can do to stop this, the great thing is you can prevent this kind of scam um, if you work on it before there's a, a situation. Um, all you need to do is to have a passphrase um, that everybody agrees on. It could be a Bible verse. It could be a city. You know, that's not too obvious, right, um, for you. Nothing that would be, you know, that somebody by looking at your social media or other sources could really associate with you. And so everybody in your family simply says, okay, if you ever get, you know, a call like this because we know it's a reality, um, for me to know it's you, here's what you have to say. And we all have the same phrase, right? Um, so so maybe it's, like I said, it could be a Bible verse. It could be anything. So that when you get, if you get something, a call like this, um, and the person is not able to tell you, the quote person, I'm using that in air quotes there, that person is not able to tell you the passphrase, you hang up. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be hard. Yeah. It's going to be hard because these things are designed to manipulate you and to make you think, if I don't act perfectly here, if I don't do the exact right thing, my loved one's going to die. But that's the free and um, fairly bulletproof way to uh, to to counteract this.
0: Yeah, that, I think that's extremely wise. And that could come in handy for a lot of reasons, even beyond AI scams. It could be just... Uh... You know, someone uh, voice replication or someone claiming to have uh, abducted your, you know, loved one or something. Uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just it's just wise. It's it's a way to to hedge
1: yourself against deception. Yep, absolutely. Um, see, next uh, story here. Um, of course, we're in our our red, the concerning ones, and this goes back to the that concern on. It's less to me about the AI, but how we respond to the AI. Uh, Recently, uh, a man of the UK was convicted of treason. First treason conviction that they've had in the UK in in over 40 years. Mm. Um, This guy is sentenced to nine years in prison. Um, He was upset about a uh, massacre that occurred in the year 1919 Mm. and decided that, based upon Star Wars, if you can believe it, uh, it was a good idea to try to um, Wait. Well, he, he scaled the walls of Windsor Castle. He's wearing a mask, and he had a um, high-powered crossbow and was going to assassinate the queen. What's interesting here is what gave him that, that final push to do this was encouragement from an AI chatbot. Um, so, a couple things here. One, again, this risk of people turning off their common sense and obeying a chatbot, obeying an AI system is not just theoretical. We will see more and more of these kinds of things. Um, and then also, in, in past shows, you know, I brought up the concept of AI safety. Companies like Anthropic, that's part of their their whole mission, is for AIs that are safe. This is an example, and, and what that means is uh, for it to be safe is the AI should never say, "Yeah, it's a good idea to go assassinate the queen." Um, so I, I don't know what. Uh, chatbot he was using here but it didn't have those basic safety um things in in, in place so uh and, so yeah and he
0: knew we, he knew it was a chat bot that he was intentionally yeah. interacting with yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah I mean that's that's uh yeah that's sad
1: um and and so so we, like I said unfortunately we're going to see more of this yeah um another one that's kind of interesting uh that we'll see more and more of is we're talking about the AI phone scams, right? Especially so when they imitate a loved one. Well, now we're seeing the videos be a real issue. So recently, uh, the actor Tom Hanks and the um, uh, news personality Gail King had to warn of deep fakes, these AI video and voice fakes of them that have been appearing on social media. So if I remember correctly, the one from Tom Hanks was for um, a, a dental plan of some nature, something you know, related to to, to a dental care. And with Gail King, it was a weight loss program. And so there were literally videos that looked like Tom Hanks, basically uh, sounding basically like Tom Hanks. I don't think they were that good in my mind, but you know, it was, um, and it's also a little bit younger looking Tom Hanks in the video I saw, but, uh, it was out there shilling these products and, and neither Tom Hanks or Gail King had any involvement with them. Um, and so Hanks, I'm going to read his his statement here. He released this after he became aware of it. He says, "Beware!" in all uppercase uh, letters. There's a video out there promoting some kind of dental plan with an AI version of me. I have nothing to do with it. And he put this on his Instagram feed. And um, and Gail King um, uh, stated the similar thing. She said, "I've never heard of this product or used it. Please don't be fooled by these AI videos." So you know we're approaching that place where you know ter- telling truth from fiction um, is going to get hard. Yeah, um, no doubt. I mean that's the real crux of the matter,
0: and that's what really connects the the burgeoning AI industry with Bible prophecy. As I talk about in in Spirit of the False Prophet, is this uh, you know deception and this ability, this blurring of the distinction between reality and and fiction.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um well so in and and kind of um, bouncing off of what you just said about um you know that that very probable role of AI uh in the end times um China um has officially announced they want to see a fifty percent boost in their computing power to support their AI initiatives um so this is this is kind of interesting here a number of things are interesting um one is they said they want to do this by the year 2025 that year is is really interesting to me we won't go into it now um i know you do in in your books um so i'll I'll refer readers back to that but they want to increase this by 50 percent, and so what what they want to do the, the goal they're using um uh, or, or the way they're going to measure this goal if they've been successful, is they want to have a computing capacity equal to 300 exaflops. Uh, now, an exaflop is one of the ways in which we can measure the um, the computing power of a given system. Um, so one exaflop, okay, they're wanting 300. One exaflop is equivalent to roughly 2 million... Um, you know, normal. You know, um, you know, laptop computers, desktop computers, whatever your your preference is. But if we were to go out um, and and go to Dell, for example, or Apple, and order two million of their mainstream computers, that would equal to one exaflop. Hmm. And they want three hundred of these. So you know, this is this is an incredible amount of computing power. Six hundred million computers, right? Absolutely. Um, and so when you look at AI, the two most fundamental ingredients needed is compute power. You gotta be able to crunch more numbers, do more math, um, and data. Um, well, data is pretty easy to come by, especially for a company like, you know, something like China, um, with their with their eavesdropping, they're collecting data like you wouldn't believe. And and we are too, let's be clear. It's not just them. Um, so you, you couple that with this increase in compute, China's gonna be uh very, very powerful when it comes to AI. And the reason I bring this up, A, I, I do think China's a threat, period. Um, but but also the um recognizing that there is no way to stop this path we're on with AI. You see people every now and then say, well, if we would just stop this, let's do a let's do a moratorium on, on future AI research. It's never going to happen uh, because if we didn't say, you know, speaking from somebody here in the U.S., if we didn't, we can clearly see countries that publicly state one of their goals is to destroy us. We'll get this 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 leap in this arms race. And this is an arms race It is absolutely just like the uh, the nuclear arms race in the Cold War have an AI arms race. Um it is not going to stop and it and it can't be stopped. Um so it's coming. Uh just be aware of it. There's nothing we can do about it. This isn't to cause fear. You know, if, if you're a believer in Christ, you know where your future is. You know what's coming for you. Um not saying there's not going to be some rough times along the way. Um uh, no no Joel Osteen stuff here. Right. But um there's going to be rough times, but You know, be aware of this. That's why we bring this up. Um, But, um, you know, every moment that you get nervous about AI, pray for two moments. Okay, spend more time in prayer uh, than you do spend worrying about this. Be aware of it. Don't be naive, but but, but turn to the Lord.
0: Amen. Well said, my friend. Yeah, I mean, to me, the only thing that remains to be seen is how long will we be here in a new age of, you know not of a of fiction really of, of not knowing what's real and what's not um i obviously scripture has a lot to say about deception in the in the last days and jesus himself talks about how deception will reach unprecedented time uh, levels during the tribulation period uh when the, you know the antichrist is in false prophet are ruling uh the world but um you know that one of the reasons that I think that we're getting closer and closer to the Lord's return is that I just can't see things going on very long once we are living in pervasive virtual reality where it's all like kind of like the matrix you know and you don't know what's real and what's not but the more I think about it I just I guess I can't say with biblical certainty anyway that that's the case I mean we could be living for a prolonged period if, if it's part of the Lord's sovereign plan of the ages in in this realm where you can't tell reality from fiction, and, and by the way, you talk about the AI being the new arms race. I talk about this quite a bit in my chapter on AI in the new book *Spirit of the False Prophet*. That you've not not only do you have you know China, Russia, U.S., all these different powers and global power centers that are in the race, but you've got sort of AI entering its own horse in the AI race because that's the real fear that these experts are worried about is that you know AI is is kind of replicating itself and becoming sort of untethered from any of these other nation states as bad as that is. Uh, so yeah it's it's a real problem and you know it's laughable the notion that somehow you could press pause and everybody will, you know, put down their AI tools and say, okay, we're going to wait for a while. But, you know, if you take a close look, a lot of the powers that be are quite uh, worried about it. I mean, that's why you've got U.S. senators getting AI briefings. You've got different congressmen calling, you know, for um, some type of le- legislation to keep AI away from the, the nuclear buttons. And so it's, it's, it's on their radar as it should be. Absolutely. Well, thank it's you, last Shane. Time. Last one. Oh, is it, was that the last one or no? Yeah,
1: yeah that's the last one. Yes, okay. we're good.
0: Awesome. Well, you are you are a blessing, my friend, and and I uh, really appreciate uh, your insight. And I know we'll continue to pray as you are for uh, the goings-on in Israel at the same time that we keep an eye out here, uh, you know, where where we are. By the way, I've got uh, Leo Holman on the program. Tomorrow will be the third time he's been gracious enough to come on our a program and and I tell you what I really love that guy's perspective on he really understands the new world order and the the ultimate agenda behind all of these geopolitical events you know he and I may have differences of viewpoint on some of the the key issues eschatologically in scripture such as the timing of the rapture but uh, really there's no one better out there that really has their finger on the pulse of of geopolitics and I can't wait to pick his brain about uh what's uh what's going to be happening and so that's tomorrow on the program we'll we'll get it posted as soon as we can uh Uh, after I've talked with him. But he's written several, two or three, outstanding articles this week that I think everybody should read that really explain uh, what's going on. Let me just quote from uh, one of them. He says, quote, Mossad have the most superior and advanced intelligence infrastructure in the world. They make the NSA, CIA, and British intelligence look like kids playing detective with plastic guns and stringed soup cans on the schoolyard. Indeed, Mossad claims that if a cockroach from Palestine throws Threatens Israel, they already know the length of its antenna. Therefore, is not the first fundamental question regarding Netanyahu's 9-11, as they're calling it, which he comments, uh, and I couldn't agree more in parentheses, uh, Leo says a phrase that should tell you everything about what is really happening, the fact that they call it Netanyahu's 9-11. So he says the first fundamental question about this is, quote, how did the best intelligence agency in the world allow for a Red Dawn-style invasion, a waltz-in of poorly trained maniacs on its own soil? Answer? Of course they knew. Of course they permitted it. Do not be duped. So, uh, you know, you may agree or disagree with uh, Leo's perspective and mine, but I'm telling you, uh, I'm pretty sure that I'm right in this case, So, but time will tell. Time will tell. Well, Shane, we'll have you on again uh, next week. Thanks so much, brother. Uh, folks, uh, look forward to the rest of the week here with some of the other podcasts that we are uh, going to be uh, going to be dropping. And then, as I've mentioned, if you're in the Texas, the Dallas, Tyler, East Texas area, uh, come out Sunday, October 15th to Flint Baptist Church, where I'll be speaking three times at that great church. Um, uh, if you uh, need more details, you can go to notbyworks.org and get the details there. Don't forget, we have a new free section of our online store. I'm hoping to post even more content to that. I haven't had a chance the last few days because we've been at the Prophecy Watchers Conference and then on the road, but there's tons of stuff already there. Uh, Just go to notbyworks.org, click on the store, find the free section, and then you can download that information. Uh, You don't have to use a credit card. You put it right in your cart, and it'll send you the links. Uh, So some good fodder there for you to consider theologically, and especially as it relates to the in time. So God bless you everyone. Thanks for your prayers as always as always we sure appreciate it and we'll talk again soon.